Hallelujah. The title of this morning's message is very simple. Here. Years ago, and some of you may be familiar with this book, some years ago, a man named Stephen Covey wrote a book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was a pretty good book. I read it and got quite a bit out of it. But I remember sitting in my study back in Wogochu, Poland, having read that book, and I thought, I wonder what the seven habits of highly spiritual people are. You know, because if there's seven habits of highly effective corporate people, what are the seven habits of highly spiritual people? And in that, that caused me to, to go through a biblical and historical study of those who have made an impact on their generation. And I discovered that although there's a lot of differences, you know, spiritual people don't all look the same. Some come from the city, some come from the country, some are well-educated, some are uneducated, some are preachers, some are teachers, some will never stand, be in fact, I think some of the most effective and most spiritual people will never stand behind a pulpit. They hide away in prayer closets and change nations through prayer. I think we'll get to heaven and we discover who the true generals of God's army are. We're going to be shocked that they weren't on television. Truth be told, I'll just get on my soapbox for a little bit. I mean, there's not a whole lot of folks here, so I don't got to be afraid of what I say. There's a lot of voices on Christian TV that do not deserve to be heard. Just because they can pay television bills don't mean they're spiritual. It just means they can pay the bills. That's it. That's all it means. But there are certain traits or habits of spiritual people. Some of the ones that I discovered are... The great endurance, those who have made a mark on their generation, you know, they they were never overnight successes. In fact, I heard someone who I consider to be uh, a, a, a spiritual giant and someone who's definitely made a mark is Kenneth Copeland. And I heard him say one time that the first time he had 300 people in his meeting, a man came up to him and said, Brother Copeland, you're just an overnight success. And Copeland looked at him and said, if I'm an overnight success, that was the longest night in recorded history. And of course, I heard Joyce Meyer say something very similar, that someone, you know, when they arrived, they're like, wow, you just came out of nowhere. But every man or woman, boy or girl, who's made a mark on their generation, they've had endurance, patience. They stayed with what God told them to do something that I've discovered about flighty people, people who never stay with it. They never accomplish it. They have to let patience have its perfect work and stay with what God told them to do. And another another habit that highly spiritual people have is faith. Man, some of these people believe the most unusual, extraordinary things. I mean, they actually believe that God could raise the dead. They actually believed wacky things like God could give sight back to the blind. That he could cause deserts to, or roses to bloom in desert places. That he could cause it to rain in times of famine. That he could bring the lost back home. That he could reach wayward children. I mean, some of them just, they were out there. And they believed. One of the habits, is this okay? One of the habits of highly effective people is they were great people of faith. They just believed. And when, listen, when a lot of their peers told them that what they were believing was unbiblical, unscriptural, and unspiritual. This is the reason why I say we got to be very careful as we journey through life that we don't let limited men who have limited God to limit us. Just because somebody has a title doesn't mean that's someone you need to listen to. There are some voices whose sole intent is to kill your faith. Another habit, and I don't want to go through all seven, there's one I want to get to. One of the habits that I discovered of highly spiritual people is they had the ability to hear God's voice. Every one of them, no matter what time or epic or century they lived in, they all had the ability to hear God. 
And, and as, as we've been talking about being obedient and being spiritual and being supernatural beings, the bedrock of our spirituality is our ability to hear his voice. Because you can't, you know, over the past, is this, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about obeying. But you can't obey what you haven't heard. But when you hear, you now become obligated by what you heard. And we need to hear because when we hear with the intent of obeying, that is the doorway to the supernatural. Every miracle that's ever been recorded, ever happened in the history of humanity, happened because somebody heard and obeyed what they heard. And the reward of the obedience is the supernatural experience. If God tells you to lay hands on the sick and you never do, you know what? You'll never see them recover. You never will. And then, in order to justify your apathy, you'll say things such as, well, if God wanted him healed, he'd heal him. You'll, you'll throw all of it over on the sovereignty of God. Well, if God wanted it done, he'd have done it. Well, he tried, Jack, through you. But you wouldn't do it. So if we want to experience something beyond just churchality and really experience Christianity, we have to be a people who first and foremost, above everything else that can be said of us, we hear the voice of our Father. In fact, I know I'm going to throw Gloria for a loop. I'm not going to follow my notes too well this morning. I want you to go to the book of Deuteronomy. And I may just ramble for a few moments. I'll quit as soon as I'm done. Chicken won't be dry. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Just so you know, of all of the Old Testament verses that the people of the book, meaning Israel, considered sacred, of all of the writings of the Old Testament, this is considered by the Orthodox Jew as the most important verse in the Bible. This is the hallmark, the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone. Hear, O Israel, Notice how it starts. Hear. Hear. Everyone say hear. And really, if you, if you look at a transliteration where they tried to do it word for word, it doesn't word exactly like this. It really words, hear the Lord, O Israel. Not just hear. Hear the Lord. And this is what Moses is saying. He's saying to the people. If you're ever going to make it into the promised land, if you're ever going to fulfill your potential, if you're ever going to do what God has ordained you to do, above every other ceremony, celebration, law, regulation that you keep, do this thing first. Hear the Lord. Hear the Lord, O Israel. Our God is one God, the Lord. Everyone say here. Jesus said something very similar when he said, my sheep hear my voice. You and I, listen. The enemy wants nothing more than, than to muddy up the waters, to, to make it to where you can't discern the voice of God where you don't know what to do, where confusion 
settles in and, and, and you, the confusion gives birth to desperation and desperation gives birth to mistakes. You, you move when you shouldn't have moved. You did what you shouldn't have did. You went where you shouldn't have gone. And, and when you get there and you find that the, the, the provision of God's not there and you find yourself in a place you wish you had never come to and, and you're wondering, God, how do I get out of here? And you would have never gone there had you heard the voice of God in the first place. Because the enemy knows that in order for you to travel and arrive at what the psalmist called a wealthy place, we're not all going to get there the same way. This is the reason why, listen, I've had, you can't mimic your life. We should learn as much as we can from as many as we can, as often as we can. We should learn from one another, but never model yourself after someone else. You can't do exactly what they did. This is the reason why preachers do a great injustice when they stand up and they relate to you their experiences as if their experiences are doctrine that you can bank on. They'll stand up and say things, well, I broke the back of poverty with a $1,000 offering, so if you'll give a $1,000 offering, it'll break. And then people give that offering and found out, nay, nothing got broke but their wallets. Because it ain't doing what they did, it's doing what he tells you. And I've shared this story with you before, but it, 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 it's, a, it's a good one, so it bears repeating. That when, when, when we went to Ramah, they shared a story because they, they tried to drive home. Hear God, hear God, hear God. That's really what faith is. Faith is hearing and obeying, it's trusting God. And they shared a story of a student some years before we were there who God told them. Notice what I just said. God told them. Give away your car. And they did. And they got a brand new one in its place. Well, of course, that caused every student driving a junker to think this is God's cash for clunker system. If the government can do it, God's got a better one. So here's, here's I'm going to turn in my clunker, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something grand in return. So students in mass gave away their cars. And in no time flat, students were late for class because nobody had transportation. And everyone's wondering, where's my new car? They're probably still wondering, where's my new car? Because, listen, the reward is based on obedience, not mimicry. I can't do exactly what you do and expect God to do for me what he did for you. I can look at you and I can take, I can take encouragement from your courageous act of boldness and faith. And I can look at you and be encouraged by realizing if God helped you, then God will help me. But he may not help me in the exact same way he helped you. Maybe you had to give $1,000. Maybe what it'll be for me is ten. Maybe it'll be 10000 Is this okay? But we've got to be to the place where we hear God. And, 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 and listen, it is only natural that the children of God hear the voice of God. It ought not to be thought unusual or strange for a believer to say, God said. It, 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 it's, it's, it's really, it, it shows that the church has really strayed a long ways away from what God ordained for us. That when somebody stands up and says, God said, the vast majority of the church world thinks them odd. Every man, woman, boy and girl born of Christ ought to hear the voice of Christ. Because Jesus Christ said, my sheep. Hear my voice. Well, if, if, if we're supposed to hear the voice of God, then why don't we? Why is it so unusual and sometimes so hard? I'm glad you asked. 
because there is a verse that addresses it. Go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. The scripture says, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, everyone say if, if you will hear his voice. Do you see that? I like what one translation said, if you would hear his voice. If you want to hear his voice, if you need to hear his voice, today, if you want to hear the voice of God, harden not your hearts. One of the requirements of hearing God is humility. Have you ever tried to counsel Someone who's hard-hearted, or we probably are more accustomed to saying hard-headed. Maybe you've been the hard-headed one. I know I've been hard-headed at times. A hard-headed person is the one who says, in essence, I don't care what you say, you're right, but I don't care. I'm going to do it this way. I mean, you could lay out all the facts, all the figures. You could tell them in clarion terms, this is what's going to happen if you do it. And they will look at you straight in the eye and say, I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. But if you do it that way, this is what's going to happen. I don't care. Well, listen, that shows that no matter what is said to him, there's an unwillingness to change. And something that we need to understand, I, years ago, I, I used to get, you know, I get these Jimmyisms, and there was one I haven't shared in a long time, but I used to say it all the time. And that was that God loves you, but he can barely tolerate you. And the purpose of saying that was this, that something you can tolerate, you never change. You know, if you can tolerate a bright orange bedroom, you ain't never going to paint it. If you can tolerate your car making noises it wasn't designed to make, then you ain't never going to fix it. You'll never alter or change what you learn to tolerate. But it's when something becomes intolerable that you change it, right? I mean, when you walk into that room and the paint color brings you to your knees and it ain't in praise, well, then pretty soon you find the energy to run down to Lowe's and buy a gallon of Valspar and come home and change the color. When that car makes a certain noise and, and you think, well, you know what, I don't think it's supposed to grind exactly that way. Then you find the courage to get in there or take it to someone who can get in there and change it. Well, something we need to know about God is God is always seeking to change you and me. He loves us unconditionally. But he, he is far too aware and too infatuated with our potential to leave us the way we are. This is the truth. This is really the only danger in encountering God or hearing his voice is it will call you to change. I really don't believe we ever truly hear the voice of God and are left unchanged. Because he's always calling us up higher and closer. You understand? So when he speaks, it, 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 even if he's not addressing change, he might be addressing something else. He might say, I, I want you to pray for someone. And that someone is someone you don't really care to pray for. So the change that that brings about in you is you learn to love beyond your limit of love. So what he said to you brings a change about in you, right? So if we are unwilling to change, then we won't hear the voice of God. Because we need to be of humble hearts to hear his voice. We need to be willing 
to alter how we do it, when we do it, why we do it, and who we do it with. And if we're unwilling to alter any of those things, we become our own obstacle to hearing the voice of our Father. Because as the, as the Hebrew said, if you would hear His voice, harden not your hearts. And this is really, this is, it's called, is this okay this morning? It's called the book of Hebrews because it's written to the Hebrews who had developed a historical trait of being hard-hearted. And the Bible says that in, be, in times before he spoke through prophets and priests and the law, but today he has brought the fullness of his voice through his son. But they heard not that voice because they were stuck in doing it the way they'd always done it. They had law. He had grace. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So when he came loving the prostitute and the tax collector, there was no room in the law or in the pharisaical way of doing things. There was no room to love a harlot. You stoned harlots. So when someone came and he wrote in the sand, that's intolerable. They couldn't change to fit him. You following me? So they heard not his voice. He Listen, he wanted them to hear his voice so much so that the Bible tells us he wept over Jerusalem. He stood somewhere where he could see the entire city and he wept because they missed the day of their visitation. He wants to speak. Listen, you and I need to understand something of our father. He's a talker. He speaks. He started, I mean, I don't, he started in our historical record in the book of Genesis and he ain't never stopped. In the very beginning, it says, and God said. When there was no one to hear, he said. He's a talker. He wants desperately to be heard. Because he knows that if we will hear, then his voice can save us from destruction. His voice can bring us out of the miry clay. His voice can deliver us from the darkness. His voice can save us from mistakes. He can tell us how to avoid the obstacles the enemy has put in our way. If we'll hear his voice, then we can walk according to his word. And he exhorts us, if you would hear my voice, don't be hard-hearted. Don't be so in love with what you have that you're willing to hold on to it and ignore me. Don't be so in love with the way you do it that when I instruct you to do it a different way and I tell you the reasons for doing it a different way, you look at me and say, I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. I believe, listen, I believe that one of the marks of someone who hears voices the voice of God is constant change. Smith Wigglesworth said that, that, that the people of God are in a constant state of change. Constant. Because every time they hear His voice, they change to become more like Him. Someone who's hearing the voice of God, it can never be said of them that they're doing things exactly today like they did 30 years ago. Never. Why? Because they're doing a new thing. Not because it's new, but because he said to do it. Brother Hagen shared a story. Here's something else we have to be aware of. Not only the hard hearts, you know, we can become an obstacle. But the enemy also likes to interpose himself between us and God. And in, in, in a very revealing revelation Brother Hagen had some years ago, he was telling a story how he, he was having an open visitation with Jesus. 
seeing him as I see Bill. And the Lord was talking to him. And, and, and he could see the Lord, and he could hear the Lord, and everything was wonderful. Till this little imp, monkey-looking thing, came in between him and the Lord and started jumping up and down and crying for attention. And, and Brother Hagen momentarily lost concentration, and he looked at this thing, and when, it, when he did, it was like squid ink. The way he described it, a black cloud just began to form. And, and, and he went from hearing the Lord to not hearing the Lord. And here's the kicker. He, could, he said the Lord, he could see the Lord's lips still moving. But he couldn't hear anything other than that little creature. And yet the Lord kept talking as if nothing was happening. What did I just tell you? The Lord's a talker. He's going to talk as if you're listening. And this thing kept jumping up and down, and this, this cloud, this black cloud became more and more dense, and not only could he not hear Jesus, he got to where he could barely see Jesus. And pretty soon, the situation became intolerable. And when it became intolerable, Brother Hagen rebuked that thing, and the cloud disappeared, it whimpered and ran away. And the Lord was still talking. And Brother Hagen asked the Lord, weren't you aware I couldn't hear you? And he said, the Lord said, yeah. I knew you couldn't hear me. And he said, well, why didn't you do anything about it? And the Lord said, I couldn't. You had to. You see, we listen. If there's a problem with communication, it's not on the Lord's side. It's on our side. I want to listen. We all need to make a concerted effort to hear God better. I can only speak for myself, but I'm going to tell you straight up every mistake I've ever made since I came to Christ in 1986. I've made because I didn't hear his voice before I acted. I acted before I heard. And whenever you act before you hear, you're running a gamble. You may come up seven. You may not. Is seven a good number? I don't know either. I ain't never rolled those things, but I watched Ocean's Eleven. If you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. You, you, it may work for you. It may not work for you. But life in Christ is not meant to be a gamble. It's meant to be a sure thing because the victory has already been won. It's all ours already. Well, then how come we're not walking in it? Because so many times we don't hear. We mimic. We do what others have done and we do it because they did it. And then when it doesn't happen the way it happened for them, we think it's God's fault. No, it's not. We need to hear and obey. Hear, O oh church, the Lord. Well, listen, you've got to understand that, that not only is the hard heart an obstacle, but the enemy is an obstacle. So here's what we do. If we find ourselves in a place where we're not hearing the voice of God easily and readily and steadily, first thing we do is we check our own heart. Am I being hard-hearted? And if you can't be honest with yourself, well, then you need to get saved. I mean, we just need to check him. Am I willing to change? Am I willing to do what he says? What if I go into prayer and he tells me to forgive the one who just stabbed me in the back? Am I willing to do what he said to do? What if I go into prayer and he tells me to give that which I find most precious? What if he tells me to offer up to him my Isaac? Am I willing? And if the answer is an honest yes, I'm willing to do whatever he says. Well, then it's not the hard heart. Then now you need to find how the enemy's getting in. And most of the time, the way he gets in is through your emotions. If you're bitter, you're in strife, 
you're depressed, you're, you're, you're in an emotional world, you'll find it very difficult to hear the voice of God. Because, listen, hearing the voice of God is not in the emotional realm, it's in the spiritual realm. I have found years ago, and you've heard this story as well, but when Deborah and I first got married, I received a phone call, and it seemed so supernatural in the way it happened. It, I mean, I was, I was in a little podunk Church of God church in Lynn Haven, Louisiana. Nobody knew I was there. I wasn't on staff. I'd actually gone there to pray. And I was alone in the building praying, and the phone rang. Well, the church didn't have a staff. You understand what I'm saying? No secretary. Phone's ringing. I'm trying to pray. So I go and answer the phone. I'm, I'm not scheduled to be there. And on the other end is a pastor of a church of, I, I would dare say at that time, the most world-known, renowned ministry. This ministry may have been the most widely recognized ministry on the planet. And I answer the phone and the guy on the other end says, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so. Can you tell me, is Jimmy Miller there? Shanda Honda Adeo. Yeah, this is Jimmy Miller. Well, we've been looking for you. I'm like, wow, you even know me? I'm, I'm talking, this was a major ministry. Big ministry. Did crusades all over the world. On television 24-7. They know me. They called me. They found me at a church. I had never gone there to pray before. They called. Why, you, you see the supernatural connection? How many of you know the devil is a liar? He can, he can counterfeit things. This is why you got to hear the voice of God. you got to hear God say, that ain't me. And so, this, I mean, they called, and here's what they offered. See, I have, I, I have now God has, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm pleased to be this for the rest of my life. But at that time, my, my heart was world missions. And they called, and they said, get this, would you be our international missionary? Seriously. Yeah, we will. Everywhere that we're involved, we'll send you at our cost. You'll be preaching in crusades to tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Sounds like God to me. Problem was, it wasn't. So we we scoot off. And when I say this city, you'll probably know, though, we call it to this day the Baton Rouge experience. Because we got there only to discover it wasn't what it was meant to be or what it was posed as being. So we went from thinking we're, we're stepping into our promised land to being homeless, eating hot dogs that we bought from the gas station because the only card we had that hadn't been charged off yet was an Exxon gas card. Every other credit card had already canceled me. But only one hadn't canceled me yet, and I'm sure they were considering it. But until they canceled it, I was eating hot dogs from the gas station. Feeding my young bride. I said, love, we're eating large tonight. You want mustard or onions on that hot dog? And they don't serve kosher wieners at the gas station. But that's all we had. And we stayed that way for a season. Not because God ordained it. And it got to be where, I mean, we, I, I listen, you want to talk about a dark place? Try being newly married and feeling like the biggest failure on the planet. You want to talk about waves overturning your boat? I, every, there was no peace. Everywhere I turned, it was storm-tossed waters. So we, 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 started, we got on Highway 10 heading back toward Florida, getting, getting to the place, running out of gas, not going to be able to make it. My wife says, let's call... Wendell Rowan or was it Ronnie Rowan it was Ronnie Rowan Ronnie Rowan's now in heaven he was a scary individual he was Old Testament prophet you know what I'm talking about I mean the kind of guy you walk into his presence he tells you what you did the day before he the first time I ever met him I, I used to try to play the guitar and I walked I'd never seen this man before he said I saw you yesterday sitting under the tree trying to play the guitar he said you kept missing the sea I want to turn around and say, Father, I repent of everything I've ever done in Jesus' name. If I did it wrong, don't tell him yet. I mean, this guy was scary. 
This guy would see Jesus on a regular basis. And I called him and I said, I said, Ronnie, I don't know what to do, man. I said, we're, we're out of options here. He said, what's God telling you to do? I said, I ain't heard God in months. He said, how come you're not hearing God? I said, because God ain't talking. I think he's mad at me. Lie number one. God ain't mad at you. In Isaiah chapter 54, he promised he'd never be mad with you again. I mean, I, we've said it before. Is, is this okay this morning? If God poured out the full cup of his wrath on Jesus Christ, then that means he's got none left. He's not an angry God. He's not angry with you. He couldn't be angry with you if he wanted. Because he poured it all out on Jesus. So Ronnie prayed a prayer. He said, Father, speak to Jimmy in Jesus' name. And then he said, so what did he say? I said, dude, he ain't said nothing. He said, well, let's pray it again. Father, speak to Jesus in Jimmy's name. Jimmy, uh, no. No wonder God didn't respond. Speak to Jimmy in Jesus' name. What did he say? He said, he didn't say nothing. And then he said, I rebuke that dark cloud in Jesus' name. That's what, see, that's what needed to happen. There was, there was, the enemy had gotten between me and the Lord through my emotional disappointment. And as soon as he prayed that inside, in here, I knew what to do. It didn't change overnight, but at least we had a place to stay that night. The Lord told me who to call. And I called someone and they said, well, our place is open. You'll have to crawl through the window to get in. But the electricity's on and there's food in the fridge. It wasn't that I had a hard heart. It was that there was a cloud between me and my father. And Ronnie, listen, the thing that struck me, this prayer, he prayed this had to be 25 years ago. I still remember it because it meant so much to me. He, he thought it normal to hear the voice of God. And when he prayed, he instantly said, what did he say? Because he expected the Lord to speak. You and I need to expect. In those moments of uncertainty, when we don't know, go left or go right, go forward, go back, stay here. What do we do, Lord? We need to find a place of quietness and rest where we can check our own heart. Am I hard-hearted? No, I'm not hard-hearted. I'm willing to do whatever the Lord says. Okay, I still can't hear. Well, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no business being between me and my Father. And then you just get into that place of calmness and quietness, and you can hear the voice of God. I, I'm one of these people. I'll let you go in here just a few seconds. I, I'm a t I like to know where things are. I get, I get, uh, if, I, if, I, if I can't find something, I, I get compulsive. You understand what I'm saying? I need to know where it is. And my wife will just say, can't you let it go? No, I can't let it go until I know where it is. Do you need it? No, I don't need it right now. I just want to know where it is. And I'll just go look and I'll tear things apart. I'll walk to the back of the yard, the front of the yard, search all. I, don't, I may not need it for another year, but I want to know where it is. And then I'll just keep searching. And the more I search, the more frustrated I get. And I'm trying to rack my brain going, God, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I don't know. And I can't hear nothing. And I'll pray. And she'll, she'll always say, well, did you pray? Yes, I prayed. Well, what'd he say? But then I find when I finally quiet down, I distract myself somehow. I just, I just, I just refuse to be spiritually constipated. And I just, I just, I just relax. I'll hear him so easily. And sometimes it's, I heard him one day. I have a box on my on my deck and. And in it is, is supposed to be nothing but the barbecue stuff. And I couldn't find my keys. I looked everywhere my keys are supposed to be. I'm, I, I, I knew the devil sent an imp and stole my keys. Because they were nowhere I put them. And I always put things in the same place. All the time, every time. And I was, I was, I was out in the backyard. And I'm going, God, I, all the keys are on that ring. 
And I heard on the inside, the Lord said, go up on the deck and open up that box. Look down in the bottom right hand. That detailed. And I thought, ain't no, what in the world are my keys going to be doing in the box in the right hand corner of some place that only holds the barbecue stuff? What kind of person would put his keys in a box on the deck that's only meant to hold? So I walk up on the deck, I open up the box, and guess what's in the right hand corner? My keys. I knew the devil put them there. I have no idea. I don't, I, for the life of me, I cannot recall ever putting my keys there. But I have found not only in that situation, but in other situations. Listen, the, do you understand the Lord wants to give you intimate details of how to do things? When he instructed the, 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 those who were the craftsmen in the Old Testament how to build the tabernacle, he told them thread counts. He gave them exact details of how to do it. He wants to instruct you and I in even the things that seem insignificant. But if we can hear the voice of our Father tell us where to find our keys, to go up on the deck and open up that box and look in the bottom right-hand corner of the box and find our keys, then it's not going to be a problem when we have a life decision and we need to know, do we go here, do we go there, do I do this or do I do that? That same still voice that told you, go up on the deck and open up the box. And look in the right-hand corner. He'll be the one who tells you, go, don't go, stay, run away. And when we hear his voice and we obey, it will always turn out right. Because God is never seeking to lead us into a place of destruction. He is always guiding us and leading us into a wealthy Place, a place where we are well resourced, where we are overwhelmed by every spiritual and natural blessing. We have to hear his voice. Amen? Is this okay this morning? If we're not hearing his voice, all we have to do, check our hearts. Make sure that our hearts are okay. If our hearts are okay, and find out how the enemy got in. It may be sin, and if it's sin, repent. Sin can make it awfully hard to hear the voice of God. If it's not sin, if it's just you're frustrated, you're annoyed, you're anxious, you're stressed, then get back into that place of peace. You won't need to be there long, and you'll hear his voice again. And as soon as you hear his voice, he gives you the way of escape. You don't know what to do. He'll tell you. Remember last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons the Holy Spirit is here is to show us things to come. Well, that has to do not only with end time events. In fact, I don't think it has to do primarily with end time events. I think primarily the Holy Spirit's role or his, 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 his obligation toward us is to tell us how to put one foot in front of the other. Well, you know, if he wants to tell you end time events, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you know when he's coming back. No one else seems to. I'm glad you do. I'm glad you know what all of the stars mean. But I'm more concerned, in all honesty, with knowing where to put my feet. I had someone when, I, I know, I'll, I'll bring it to a close. We were in London, England, and we were, we were doing a, a group of meetings, and there was a big end-time event coming on. And I, the Lord's never instructed me to preach on end-time events. I've never preached an end-time prophecy. I've been invited to many of them, but I just don't do it. And these, these, these group of pastors, they, they wanted me to come in and, and, and be a speaker at an end-time event in London, England. And it was going to be well attended. And I refused. And they said, why? And I said, well, because I'm more concerned with how to live than when he's coming back. You understand what I'm saying? I'm more concerned with knowing what to do on Monday than what to do at the end of days. Because if he comes back tomorrow and I'm living, I'm walking in a manner worthy of my calling, then all will be well. 
And so I'm just much more concerned with hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Jimmy, take that left foot, lift it up. Now put it down. Okay. Pick up the right foot, lift, put it down. Hey, I'm making progress. Yeah, and I'll take the left foot. Okay. And then in a few years, I find I'm so much more like him than I was back then. And I didn't hear anything extraordinary. All I heard was where to put the feet. But you know what? If I hear, is this okay? If I hear this enough, then there's going to come a day when people will look at you and at me and they're going to think, wow, ain't you something? Look at your life. You're just blessed. You're walking in the spirit. You hear the voice of God. How'd you do it? I listened. And he told me to pick up the left foot. He said, that's all he said. Yeah, he said, pick up the left foot. Put it down. Now pick up the right foot. Put it down. Take a right right there. See, when you hear him, he has this ability to make you look good. As if you know what you're doing. And the truth of the matter is, we are all like sheep. The only reason a sheep or a sheep, uh, how do you say a single one? A ship. (laughs) Sheep arrive where they're supposed to be when they follow the shepherd. And they follow the shepherd and pretty soon, according to Psalm 23, they find themselves in green pastures near bubbling brooks and all is well and they're being refreshed. And the sheep looks up and goes... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because everything I need, he leads me to where to go. Well, how did you get to be so spiritual? I picked up my left foot. And I followed it with the right. And I just went where he said to go. Amen? Listen, all we need to do is hear. And then once you've heard, obey. Realize, recognize, and appreciate. The Lord ain't trying to take nothing from you. He's trying to give you things that blow your mind, take you places that you're unqualified to be, and to make you a light sat on top of a hill, shining forth and telling all the world, if you want what I've got, just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, pick up the left foot, follow it with the right. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. James chapter 1, verse 19. You can chew on this when you go home. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, I years ago, and some, I know a few people in here have heard me preach this, but I preached about divine design. And there's something about the design of anything. You can tell something's purpose by looking at its design. In, 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 in man's inventions and in God's creation. If you, if you can see the design of something, you can know what its purpose is. If you've ever seen, how many of you ever seen an airplane? How many of you ever seen a submarine? How many of you have recognized they ain't designed the same? Because a sub ain't never going to fly. And you ain't supposed to put a plane in the water. And you can, you can see that by looking. Now, they both carry people. They carry people different ways, but you can recognize by looking at the design what the purpose is. If you ever see a bird, it, 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 its design betrays its purpose, and the same with a fish. You can take a fish and throw it in the air. It ain't going to stay. Well, if you look at our design, we have two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Well... If you can know the purpose of a thing by looking at the design, that means you're supposed to look and hear twice as much as you talk. Some people got that reversed. They talk before they hear, and they jump before they look. Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing. He talked about seeing and hearing. Amen? And he said the only reason his judgment was just, meaning... The reason why when he assessed a circumstance or a situation, he assessed it properly is because he heard first. 
when he looked and he saw, he heard his father say, now this is what you're looking at. See those people who seem to be with you? This is what they really are. Oh, okay. And those people who seem to be nothing, fishermen, tax collectors, they're the ones who will stay with you beyond your death. Oh, okay. And so when he assessed the situation, he always assessed it properly because he heard first. As he, as he was with him, so he is with us. We have the same Holy Spirit. So if we'll learn just to follow our own divine design, I got two ears and two eyes, two ears and one mouth. That means I'm going to shut this until I've heard twice as much as what I intend to speak. And I'm not talking about just listening to other people. I'm talking about Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. You can hear. Everyone say, I can hear. Everyone go, bah. That means you're a sheep. You've got a shepherd, and he's guiding you into a good place. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you that your word is forever established in the heavens. We can believe your word, trust your word, and we trust your spirit. We are people of the book, and we are people of the spirit. The word and the spirit, they are one. We're guided by your word, and we're guided by your spirit. And so, Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that every person in this sanctuary that when they leave here, they hear the voice of God more clearly than they've ever heard before. Lord, I rebuke the darkness, that cloud of deception that the enemy seeks to put in between you and your people. Father, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lord, if it's a hard heart, then let you reveal it to your people and they'll deal with it. Lord, I pray that you restore unto them peace so that they can hear your voice. Know what to do, when to do it, who to do it with, how to proceed, Father, in Jesus' name. And that you guide us all to a wealthy place. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Love on someone and you are dismissed.